Vituity partners with hospitals and health systems to meet today's challenges. Our physician ownership model means our 5,000 plus frontline providers are engaged, accountable, and performance focused. Learn more at Vituity.com. Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Philip Kuhl, Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at Augusta University Health System. Dr. Kuhl, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Laura. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in healthcare. Things are changing so quickly from a CARES perspective. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. I'm uh, Dr. Philip Kuhl, and I'm the Vice President and Chief Medical Officer of the Augusta University Health System, which is probably better known as the Medical College of Georgia. I'm the Associate Dean of Clinical Affairs there. And to complicate things a little more, um, soon to be part of the Wellstar uh, Health System, uh, if we can um, complete our merger soon, and I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, I am an emergency physician by background and training. Um, who then kind of worked my way up through leadership in emergency medicine, eventually became the associate chief medical officer of the health system, and then eventually the chief medical officer. Spent a, a short stint filling in as the interim CEO and um, am now um, back in the chief medical officer role, but with a little bit more of an operational role than uh, at most uh, health systems. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's just fascinating always to hear the journeys that executives take, especially physician executives from medical school and training and then into the more administrative and now operational roles for you. Um, you know, what from your time as emergency medicine physician are you able to take into your role as a chief medical officer and, and really, you know, um, what has been really beneficial for you after having spent time in the emergency medicine space? Yeah, I would say probably the most important thing is that emergency physicians have to function a little bit different in terms of the, the health system. They have to be team-based. Uh, at times, the chaos and mayhem that exists in the emergency department really forces reliance on a team structure. And I would say that that has served me really well in this role because I view every component of the health system as part of the team. And I refer to healthcare as being a team-based sport. Basically, we all have to do our part and we have to do it in coordination and collaboration with each other with respect for what each of those components of the system or different disciplines do. And so probably the most important lesson based on my background is that absolute necessity to rely on your teammates when delivering healthcare because we all look at it from a slightly different angle and, and different responsibilities. That's a really great point and definitely something that is important, as you said, as a leader to be able to um, look at things holistically and, and work well as a team. Now, from your vantage point as chief medical officer, what are some of the big opportunities that you're seeing in healthcare today and especially for Augusta University Health System and then any headwinds that you have your eye on as well? Yeah, so starting off with the headwinds, I think we've got some serious challenges around the workforce, uh, whether you look at that from the perspective of the physician workforce, 
the nursing workforce, entry-level jobs, uh, all of those different components within the health system, uh, I think are definitely some headwinds. Whether you're talking about burnout, which is a significant challenge and uh, certainly was a theme of the discussion uh, at the Becker's Healthcare Conference was around the workforce issues and particularly around burnout, what's contributing to the burnout, uh, and how we deal with that, how we adapt the system to help prevent burnout and really retain our staff um, and our team members. Or if we're talking about the, the workforce development issues in terms of ensuring that we have adequate people entering the training for the workforce, particularly around the different professions, whether that's, you know, physician staffing, nursing staffing, laboratory scientists, which is a, a bit of a, a bit big shortfall right now in, uh, in those graduating from, from programs and being available to us uh, in the in the health system workforce. So I would say the workforce is probably the biggest challenge that uh, and headwinds that I think uh, we have facing us right now. Got it. I, you know, and I think as you mentioned, it's something that a lot of health systems and organizations are really facing and trying to figure out what they can do in order to um, keep their, you know, workforce happy that that they have happy and engaged will also recruit for the future and, and figure out how to grow. So, you know, when, when you look at that and see these big challenges in the healthcare workforce, and especially thinking through what that looks like for physicians and nursing, um, uh, what are, are some of the ways that you are trying to, to meet those challenges in, in planning for the future? Is there anything that you're doing uh, to really uh, recruit additional physicians as much as possible into the system? Yeah, so one of the things that um, I'm really excited about that we're dealing with that is part of our planned merger with the Wellstar Health System is that it will allow us to expand our ability to grow our health professions training program. So the Medical College of Georgia is the state's public academic medical school, and we're part of the state's academic health system. So it, as part of this initiative and the partnership with the Wellstar Health System, it'll allow us to really expand training sites across the Wellstar Health System. And that's a really exciting development in terms of being able to train more physicians in the state's medical school at more training locations, as well as residency and fellowship training programs. And I, I think that will cross over additionally into nursing schools slots, uh, as well as the other health professions. So that's one of the exciting things that we're doing is really expanding our clinical platform as part of this merger we're going through that are really allow the educational arm of our system to really expand potentially into those other areas, which will be critical for having that workforce available to the health system, whether that's within our own system or at others within the state. So that's one of the exciting things that we're doing. We're also starting to focus on those pipeline programs. You know, one of the, the things that I believe is happening is that we are compressing the timeline somewhat. Uh, some of that really great, for example, the Medical College of Georgia has what's called a three plus three program, which is, is 
shortening the time for medical school uh, for the physicians that are your listeners, they'll know that, you know, the first three years typically are very heavily uh, in, involved in the education and, and your clinical programs. But then there's kind of about six months toward the end that for most programs are allowing time to study for the boards, to do interviews and things like that. And one of the exciting things that Dean David Hess has done at the Medical College of Georgia is to help shorten that timeline and looking at a, a three-year curriculum that then also then transitions into a three-year residency program. And if that's done within the state, that it essentially would cover that tuition. So that's a, a very exciting program that is uh, developing and I think certainly a movement in the right direction. I think also that the efforts that are ongoing here and what we have recognized is that because of the compression of that timeline and things like dual enrollment, high school and things like that, it's possible for a student to really be forced to make their career decisions earlier in the timeline and when they're younger. So if they decide that they're going to go to college, but they do a dual enrollment program while in high school, you can shave off a year or two, which then really forces that person to be making career decisions earlier. Uh, so I think it's important for us to be very intentional and, and reach back perhaps earlier in the high school years and maybe even in the middle school to start influencing the number of people that are choosing to go into healthcare. And that was something that came out at the Becker's Healthcare Conference. Eugene Woods talked about that and about some of their pipeline uh, programs that they're doing. And, and we're, we're doing the same here in terms of, uh, again, trying to be intentional about developing that workforce rather than just relying on whoever chooses to come into healthcare. Absolutely. That's fascinating to think about it. And great to know, you know, from your perspective that you're seeing some of that movement with people really uh, considering healthcare careers earlier and earlier. I, I'm just so glad that that's been something that was discussed at the Becker's annual meeting earlier this year. And, and two, you know, I can remember even my sister in high school was in an EMT program and just loved that and was fascinated by the opportunity to be in the healthcare space, you know, even at such a young age. So I, I think it's really uh, gratifying to see a more movement in that direction. Um, and, and I can just really see how it'll be exciting to see how it affects the workforce and, and hopefully shores up some of the gaps that we're seeing today. Yeah, I agree completely. And, and I, you know, as someone, I actually went to EMT school while I was in high school and, and certainly those experiences then kind of influenced my career trajectory that occurred because of that. I'm a big believer in those programs. Absolutely. That's amazing to hear. And, you know, we've talked a little bit from the workforce side about growth and development and adding value overall to the health system. But is there any other ways that you and the medical staff that you work with are really thinking about value and seeing that change, especially to um, with the merger upcoming? Yeah, one of the things I'm really excited about is the potential for expanding our digital health offering. So one of the programs that we've we've done here is, you know, Georgia is um, a bit interesting in that not only do we have, uh, you know, high rates of heart disease and stroke and obesity and things like that, but Georgia has these pockets of urban areas, whether you're talking about 
you know, urban Atlanta, the city of Augusta or, or Savannah, we have these urban areas, but then we have very rural areas. And part of the challenge is the access to healthcare and the existing health disparities in those areas. So one of the things that we have been focused on is using digital health and telemedicine to really expand our footprint and create this virtual network where we're able to provide a high level of expertise and assistance to local rural healthcare facilities that allows them to deliver a high level of care and then couple that with the ability to keep the patient at that rural facility, which sustain those rural facilities. And then when that patient requires a higher level of care, using our helicopter transport program to then move that patient to our mothership facility, so to speak. And that program has been very successful at not only helping us to get the patients into the right care where the expertise is needed, but then also supporting those rural facilities because they run on such thin margins that keeping an additional patient or two a day actually makes a big difference in their survival and what their bottom line looks like. So I'm really excited about programs like that, that are the trifecta win, 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 right? Leveraging technology in the right way to, to allow our expertise to be expanded in those areas and reducing health disparities and improving the care in those rural areas while supporting the local economy and health system at the same time. I love that. I think that's such a perfect example of a space where really there is a lot of good to be done and, and technology makes it even easier um, to provide care in, in get in rural spaces, the, the care that they need. And, and you know, so important um, for so many spaces across the country, especially as I know, you know, there are many communities that are seeing their healthcare opportunities shrink and contract a little bit. So um, that's an amazing example. Yeah, it's been a very successful program. And, uh, and, and interesting enough, it started off in emergency medicine it was really accelerated by COVID. We had, we had a telemedicine program prior to that. COVID certainly accelerated that. And the ability to, to keep those lower acuity patients there locally, one, because we were crunched for space you know, at our main facility, but it really benefited those local hospitals as well. And it added additional capacity to the system. And once we realized that benefit, we said, you know what, we really need to continue this and really leverage that in the future. And this can change the, the healthcare disparities that exist now, we can help to shrink those disparities even further. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And now, you know, I, I so appreciate you being candid with the different challenges that you're having and whether it's workforce or otherwise, I know a lot of organizations are, um, you know, finding more financial challenges than they have in the past over the last year or two. And, and so when you think about healthcare resources being more precious than they have been overall. Um, what is one investment that you still think is worth making or something that you would still do um, even considering this, this time of uh, you know, shrinking resources? Yeah, I think we have to start really focusing on efficiency. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of what we do in healthcare is not very efficient. For example, when we look at the, the medical record, for example, the electronic medical record is certainly 
a benefit in terms of capturing data. The problem is it captures a lot of data. And unfortunately, it is also the major source of burnout in our workforce. So we have something that's causing burnout. It's caused a shift in clerical work, and it's largely inefficient in the way that it's designed, the way that we interact with the medical record, et cetera. The positive, of course, to the electronic medical record is that we now have data elements that we didn't have before. And I think we're really starting to see where we can leverage that combined with some machine learning or AI. We can analyze that data and now we can help to make it more efficient. So in terms of efficiency, I think that's where we've got to focus. We've got to reduce the pain points, reduce some of the unnecessary elements that we're capturing within the electronic medical record, whether that's for billing purposes or because we've always just kind of captured that. I think we've got to shift our focus from nurses nursing the computer and spending time entering data that nobody ever does anything with and really focus on the data elements that matter and the documentation that matters and is useful. And the same thing with our physicians. And then I am becoming very optimistic about where we are with artificial intelligence. I've been a bit skeptical about what I consider to be a little bit of overhype around artificial intelligence. Uh, however, I think we're really coming to the point where Artificial intelligence and, and some of this machine learning can help us inform our decisions and improve efficiency. Um, I, I had the opportunity at the at the Becker's Healthcare Conference to sit down and, and talk with Mohan Giridharas and absolutely blown away by his view of the healthcare system as someone that relies on the data and the statistics and the, the analyzing this data and then helping to make it more efficient. So I, I'm a bit optimistic that, that solutions like that are really kind of poised now to really make an impact. I think we've been through a phase where it may have been a little overhyped, and now I'm becoming optimistic that improving efficiency through utilizing tools like that uh, will really be beneficial to us. Absolutely. I, I think that's such a great point. And I love your focus on efficiency and everything that it takes to get there, whether it's looking at data or, or the technology. And thank you so much for shouting out Mohan as well. He's the founder and CEO of LeanTask, one of our great partners at Becker's. And really, you know, their platform is doing some amazing things at health systems across the country. And as you mentioned too, you know, the vision um, that he imparts and in, in thinks about on a daily and consistent basis for digital health and health IT, um, you know, is really something that I, I know is revolutionizing the space. And so, you know, I, I'm glad you were found value out of that discussion and definitely are excited to have you back um, in October for a health IT, digital health and revenue cycle event. I think, you know, we'll definitely continue the conversation there and it'll be really um, amazing to have a lot of the thought leaders and thinkers in the healthcare and digital technology spaces convening um, for, for the October event too. So I'm so glad you have been finding value out of these, uh, these sessions that we did in, in April. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I um, you know, I think that we've got many tools at our disposal and we've got to start leveraging the EMR to make those work for us rather than the other way around. And, and ironically, I think that all fits together, right? It fits together with the physician workforce issues, 
really helping to improve our efficiency will reduce burnout, for example. And um, I, I'm, I'm becoming very optimistic that some of these tools that we're using will really help to improve that situation overall. Hence, one of the reasons that's why I'm, I think we ought to be focused right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great point. Now, before we wrap up our discussion, I wanted to ask you about growth and development as well. What does that look like for you as a chief medical officer? Where do you see some of the big opportunities for you and your role to grow as well as your teams? Well, I think like my role now is much more of an operational role than the traditional chief medical officer role has been. I think the growth of physician leadership within the healthcare system is an opportunity in that, you know, physician leadership, we, I think physicians that are in administrative roles and have learned that administrative piece of it, bring a different view into the delivery of healthcare that has the ability to challenge some of the notions of the past in terms of how we're delivering care. And so I'm really excited about kind of the growth in physician leaders within healthcare to kind of say, well, yes, we've always done it that way, but why are we doing it that way? I could take care of this patient in, in this particular setting. If I could simply get these things done, I can avoid the visit altogether. And as we transition to a value-based healthcare, I think physician leadership within the, the, the C-suite of, of larger health systems is going to be really important in terms of helping to transform those models of care. And so for me, that's very exciting for the possibilities of where we might be able to go uh, as a physician leader and, and have an impact on those delivery models that would challenge the notions of the past and those that we've grown up in and said, why are we doing it this way? There's got to be a better way of doing this. Absolutely. I love that. I, I think definitely looking to the future and really seeing some of the opportunities and now the technology and tools we have available is so important. Dr. Cool, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun conversation and so interesting to hear about what you're doing there at Augusta University Health System. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you, Laura. It was a pleasure.